right then, episode 19 of Documenting the Journey, mixed it up. I literally tweeted almost exactly an hour ago. I've just got back from the gym when I tweeted this. I'm sweating my ass off. I put a hat on. I always wear a hat right now because I haven't been getting enough haircuts and my hair looks like shit and hat's just easy. Um, and yeah, I'm going to dive into this and mi- thought I'd mix it up for once and do a Q&A. We had about 30, or 30, maybe not 30, like 20 questions in an hour. I'm not that influential to get like hundreds yet. Um, I thought I'd actually answer questions for once instead of just rambling, which is what I normally do. So I'm going to try and go through all of them. Um, don't know if I should like pick the best ones or if I literally go through all of them. Uh, some of them are quite fucking weird. All right, fine. We'll dive into them. Um, question number one, I'm, I don't know if I'm good about that editing, like fancy clips of the actual questions. Question number one, how to deal with huge stress when 15 things are happening at once? This is at Connor Trains asked this question. I don't fucking deal with it very well is the answer to be honest. I think I've always been, I've probably become like bipolar from e-com, from e-commerce, from being an entrepreneur. Like I've experienced, I feel like there's not many ups and downs I haven't experienced now. They're obviously just different or lower or higher. Like every kind of e-com trenches problem that everyone goes through. I feel like I've experienced to some extent, there'll always be more things. I mean, particularly in 2020 and the start of 2021, I feel like I experienced a level of stress that 99.9% of people hopefully will never have to deal with. So I definitely, my threshold got raised, but I see, yeah, I think fucking everyone gets stressed. Um, for me, I think the things I do consistently, that even when I'm in a rut, which I feel like I am now a bit, um, is running, training, and running particularly for me in the past few months. That's like a, that isn't, I'm very good at doing that even when I don't fuck feel like doing it. Like I've never ever let work get in the way of training because like that's a that's an absolute must. So the elements of routine. Um, and as well, I go to the sauna downstairs like every day. F- fortunately enough, I live in a place that has a sauna and steam room and pool literally below the flat. So just get in the lift, go down with Jack sometimes. Um, in the lift, in our towels and shit, and it's like a glass lift, so products very sus. But yeah, I think that helps me personally. But honestly, I'm not I'm not the best person to ask because I still get pretty fucking stressed. But maybe being stressed is, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just part of the game for everyone. Another question. Um, fuck's sake, I feel like loads of them start to come in now. Yeah, they are. Someone's just tweeting more but he's too late. What's the next question? I don't know if I'm doing these in order or not. Um, when starting out, how do you balance making money in any way In any way you have to, in any way you have to versus building the brands you want to build? Go watch the podcast for more in-depth answers on this shit, but I know what you're saying. And I think the answer is you don't balance it. When you're very much getting started, what you do has to be absolutely driven by I just need to make some money and and that, that's what I did I got into dropshipping um, you know I had a clothing brand when I was like 18 that didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I realised that that wasn't going anywhere and then I discovered Facebook ads and dropshipping in like 2016 um, dropshipping ripped jeans at the time and made a bit of money doing that and then went on to went on to a bunch of other stuff but I haven't been in the dropshipping game since the end of 2018 so it's been a long time um, yeah focused on building brands since then but I'd made money and I had a bit of experience before. So I think the, the short answer is you can't balance it really. You have to focus on getting some bread 
initially and then you can maybe focus on stuff that's a bit more long-term or like more creatively inspiring and shit um but yeah that's how i started that's how everyone has to start i think what are the main things to focus on as an e-com founder that have the biggest impact on revenue i mean i feel that's a very broad question but it's a valid question it's a good question and it's a question i ask myself a lot of the time and ultimately at this stage it's probably quite a good example you know i'm five months into scaling a d2c brand from scratch and i think at the start there's a lot more things you focus on like you know you want to get the product right you want to get the website right you want the messaging to be right and then when you get the proof of concept and you know things are working i think what you have to focus on is simply getting more customers um well i guess you said how do you get the biggest impact on revenue but and the biggest impact on that i think is is driving more people to the website and ultimately ads so honestly for me yeah it's how can we spend more on ads um profitably or at least break even plus do you know what i mean so the biggest actual thing i've been working on the past few months is yeah what are the things that allow us to spend more on ads all right so like fundamentally and you know the few things that that are do have an impact on that are ad creative massively so didn't have a system properly built out for that it was all right but they massively revamped that and um, obviously conversion rate on website makes a big difference there's no point just spending more and more and more on ads you need to actually get on return on ads so you can spend more so obviously conversion rate affects that and then you know going on to different channels so like tiktok ads weren't working that well it's working better now so that's a broad answer for yeah for me how can we spend more on ads um, and get a good return because that is ultimately how you scale a DTC business particularly in the start when you're like one channel fundamentally on Shopify um, I want to save some of the more in-depth questions and go through some of the slightly quicker ones first um, fucking hell this Don's asking bare questions alright I'm going to go through his, his questions at ecomgod1 fucking hell he's literally asking me questions right now as I'm recording this this is too many questions, fella. I'm gonna have to I'm have to charge you for this consulting. Right, I'm gonna run through these guys' questions. It's one of these anonymous accounts that has a picture of a blue Porsche with like one follower. At ecomgod1. The first question is kind of funny. Would you drop your full dropshipping strategy for everyone, mainly ad structure, stores, site, blah, blah, blah. There's loads of BS in the space, as you know. Bro, I've not been in dropshipping since like the end of 2018. I literally feel unqualified to even comment on like, drop shipping shit it's kind of funny though because he's asking like my store setup and like winning products um honestly i i yeah i'm not qualified to comment on that anymore it's, the game's completely changed i used to run a load of shit and i had a system at the time but i couldn't even tell you how i was doing it like it was very scrappy i ran all the ads myself i had like five bas um definitely better people to answer that question one of your other questions do you believe it's hard for DTC brands these days to be profitable on first purchase, CAC, less than landed cogs and paid social? Yeah, I do think it's hard for brands to be profitable on first purchase. Um, my brand is not profitable on first purchase yet. Um, I think it's really fucking hard. You know, the main things that affect that are obviously CAC, product margin and your AOV. I think most brands will fucking struggle to do that and if they can't do that they'll probably struggle to survive in general if they haven't got decent amount of funding behind them or 
like a proper strategy and experience to deal with that, you know, whether it be in a subscription brand or whatever. So yeah, I do. What's and going through loads of these questions, same guy at the minute, but treat them as different questions. What's a good conversion rate for DTC Econ brands? Is there a way to predict this based on an industry? I think that's so fucking broad. My take on conversion rate, and this might be like a really bad take or whatever, but and I have to tell you why I'm saying this is conversion rate to me only matters when but the only, the only thing that's relevant to conversion rate in my opinion is is yours going up when the other factors are staying the same the reason I say that is you know I, as a rule of thumb to quickly answer the question probably about 2% but there's so many fucking factors Neon Beach had a 0.3% conversion rate in 2020 and it did over 9 million pounds in 2020 in revenue like profitably and, and, until things went wrong so my point is but like yeah the conversion rate was super low but the strategy was like viral ads that went to a massive audience you know and 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 the cpms of, of those ads worked so that a 0.3 percent conversion rate with a 300 pound AV worked so i wasn't bothered that it wasn't two percent it didn't matter because the numbers and the unit economics worked at a 0.3 conversion rate and i wasn't that bothered about traffic quality because i wanted the ads to be viral because that was part of the reason it worked like people would comment comment their friends comment um their friends ads on the on their fucking ads and shit so yeah I, I don't think you can really say what a good one in general is if you were starting a brand from scratch what would you do to start spending a thousand pound per day on paid media and being profitable what does that look like and the time frame no initial pa- no initial financial backing by the way starting from literally an idea and 2k i mean fucking hell i think firstly that's very hard to do secondly if you are going to do that you should definitely be drop shipping obviously especially if you're starting with one or two K it's impossible not to be drop shipping. And if I was doing that right now, yeah, I'd, I'd make a general store. I would test a fuckload of different products and a fuckload of ads. And I'd probably do it a mix between Instagram and TikTok ads, broadly speaking. The specifics of how to do that with drop shipping right now, probably go and watch someone on YouTube that will probably tell you everything in detail for free, but that is genuinely how I'd do it. Next question. How are you getting hundred percent attribution post iOS 14, blah, blah, blah. What's the secret? Um, firstly, I don't think anyone's getting 100% attribution. Secondly, though, the agency I work with, who I've plugged many times, probably too many times, because I'd rather they focus on my, on my account rather than new clients. Um, we use something called Elevar, which is like, I don't even know, to be honest. I haven't, I haven't done my own media buying for well over like a year and a bit, nearly two years. I used to, I spent millions on ads myself, but I haven't done it myself for years. So I'm honestly not qualified. But yeah, we use Elevar, which is like some fancy tracking software thing basically so apparently that helps but like i honestly i don't even look in ad accounts anymore like i'm very much out of that i just trust the agency to do it um fucking hell there's loads more questions coming in as i'm recording this it's the same fucking guy asking all these questions at econ god one you need to let other people have some, have some questions i don't even know what the shit he's asking what's a realistic npm oh net product margin yeah, that's what I, okay, that's a good question. What's the realistic net profit margin for a DTC brand? Lean start and at scale. Yeah, good question, because I think there's so much bullshit that goes around about gurus and stuff, you know, preaching like 40% net margins. And granted, Hero Cosmetics just sold like 600 mil doing 40% margins. I think the general rule of thumb, and this is my, in my experience and many brand owners that I know that are doing numbers experience, and these are real businesses that you know actually have a team. They're paying taxes, etc. Which 
trust me, a lot of people on Twitter don't even account for. I would say 10% as a general rule of thumb that I've always shot for that, you know, at, at higher scale it is harder. So I think you can do more than that at lower scale. Um, but say you want, say you get into a million a month revenue or just call it 10 million a year run rate, you know, 10% net profit margin would be a million pound a year, which obviously a million pound EBITDA is very fucking good and very, very, very hard to actually do by the way. But yeah, that is, it's probably what I'd say. Um, it's certainly what I aim for in terms of like, it's what I used to aim for. It's a little bit, a little different now with a subscription business, but yeah, I think 10% is a good rule of thumb. Um, more questions. How did you build your website? You said you did it all yourself and looks great. I did it myself previously, but I had a lot of updates recently that I didn't do myself. Um, I worked with We Convert Agency. Um, I think I mentioned them before. Guy called Amar, Amar Mellies on Twitter, if you know him. Yeah, um, his his agency did did a lot, a lot of the recent changes, but previous to that, yeah, just did it on Shopify and used a really cheap developer to, to like make my design, my design tweaks and so on. So yeah, that's how I did it. Next question, how do you keep tabs on everything going on? Um, I use Google Drive and I'm not the most organized person, generally speaking, but I'm pretty organized with that. Everything I do is Google, like Google Calendar, Google, you know, G Suite for like emails and shit and Google Drive. So I'm pretty structured with all that stuff, to be fair. I generally split things into five different categories, being product slash brand is, is the first one, probably the biggest one marketing, logistics, customer service, and admin. That's in my head how I split a D2C business in like main categories, if that makes sense to anyone. Um, how do you deal with the hate that comes with this industry? This is at Wi-Fi degenerate. I'm not really sure what he means by this industry. If you mean e-commerce, then I'm, I don't know what you mean by hate. I think, I think what he's referring to, and I could be wrong, is like the Twitter sphere of like dropshippers and shit and people stealing each other's stuff and ripping each other off and calling each other out. That's not an industry. That's just a bubble on Twitter, in my opinion, if that's what you're referring to. But generally speaking, how do you deal with hate in anything? And whether that be people ripping your products, hating on you, etc., which I've certainly experienced. Um, I think the answer is just fucking winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners. So anyone that's preaching hate on the internet in any form ever is a loser so I think that's probably the best way to answer that is yeah just fucking focus on your shit and don't hate on anyone because it's not a nice thing to do and doesn't add any value to the world in any way and says more about you than it ever says about anyone else that you're hating on so that's how I'd answer that it's quite a good question um What's the end goal for Space Goods? And then also, what's the end goal for you? Um, well, I kind of like wrote my, my life mission .pdf the other week or something, which is a very grandiose version of this answer. But I suppose, yeah, what's the end goal for Space Goods? I mean, I would like to just make a lot of money personally. I mean, like, I guess that is the first goal from a startup ultimately, and it certainly is for me. Um, because I think once you've made a lot of money and I think when I say a lot of money like realistically I think that that number is 10 million plus personally net of tax 
and beyond, but I think like that's the minimum number. Um, which by the way is like, it's like really fucking hard to do because I think a lot of people talk about numbers like that. People talk about hundred million as if it's like a hundred grand. It's like, show me one person you know that's made a hundred million quid. Do you know what I mean? Like it's actually made a hundred million. Um, I know guys that have made serious numbers like close to that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and you know, 10 million plus, quite a few of them. I haven't made 10 million plus. I would like to make 10 million plus by 30, I think. Um, so I guess that is an element at the end goal, uh, kind of as a minimum, which a lot of people might almost say that that's like not enough, but those people probably also haven't, haven't maybe experienced the ups and downs of like getting close to that number at a younger age and then having elements of it fucking swiped away because of, you know, I'm, I'm referring to Neon Beach here, by the way. Um, and yeah, I think 10 mil is enough. Beyond that, I'd love to make 100 mil, of course, everyone would, but I think 10 mil is the number that it gets interesting and like you are properly, properly legitimately set for life if you invest it well and so on. So yeah, I guess that's one goal. That's like the baseline goal. But of course, I do genuinely think having an impact and being able to create cool shit in an industry, you know, long after you've made enough money to never think about that again is, is important. So like the goal after that is it, I could see myself working less in the trenches, but like leading maybe the change in like the psychedelics industry, which is what, you know, long-term, that's what I want space to be about. I want, I want to be a consumer psychedelics brand, but obviously I can't be that legally yet. Um, and I still need to be a very good viable business if that was never to happen. But I would like to somehow be involved in that because I, I think I have a natural passion for that area. And I think I think my story and the things I've struggled with myself privately and so on lend itself to that being pretty important to me. So yeah, more on that in, a, in another video, maybe on specifics what I mean by that. But yeah, I think that's kind of the goal is that minimum financial number and beyond that to have an impact in, in an industry. And I guess the end goal for me, health, wealth, love and happiness, I think. You know, I wanna have a beautiful family and have a fucking interesting life, but day by day. And, you know, I think goals change over time. Certainly as I've got older, they've got probably less materialistic and more, more about longevity and like people and experiences and happiness as maybe trivial as that sounds. But yeah, I think that's probably the same for a lot of people. So yeah, that's a, a rough answer on that. Next question, have you dropped Pool Party Social Club? I haven't dropped it. I've just become way too fucking busy and realized that Christ, it's very hard to try and do three different things at once like pod, PPSC and brand. So I'm actually thinking I'll probably end up incorporating it into the brand more, into Space Goods, because then then I feel like I can justify working on it more. Whereas right now, it's just like an idea and, and it, it is a legitimate idea and I have lots of ideas, but I'm also conscious of the fact that I've had lots of ideas in the past and not focus on one thing enough, which is the brand, that's the main thing. So I'll do definitely do something with it. I probably have been a bit hypocritical by announcing kind of elements of that and then not even following through because I don't like doing that, talking about something, they're not actually doing it. So yeah, more on that soon for sure. This is a cool question. 
What made you think the idea of space goods? I mean, again, I've kind of answered this at length in some of the pods, but also part of that question was, can you expand on the design process a bit? The branding is insane. All right, I'll answer that part of the question. I, yeah, to be fair, thank you very much. I do think the branding is good. I think it's unique. I think it's solid. I think it, it, it fits what I'm trying to do with it. I think it's my best creation, I guess, like aesthetically and the whole vibe of it. I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it came out. Um, the process, design process. Yeah, honestly, like it's, I kind of, I put a post on sort of about this on my Instagram back in like April or something when I showed like a literal like brainstorming document to a finished product. And I suppose it's kind of like brainstorming document. Then I'll come up with the logo, which is literally like me playing around with shapes for like fucking six hours and then seeing something that clicks and then it clicks. And I'm like, wow, this is it. Color schemes, all that. Um, I cover all this shit in my e-com course if anyone's fucking interested, which I don't really speak about anymore, but it, it is pretty good shit. Um, and yeah, like, it, it comes, it's just like brainstorming and playing around with a load of shit. But like, I'm naturally a good designer. Like, I've never had to outsource that element of it, like the branding logo, the visual aspect stuff. So yeah, um, I don't know. It feels very natural to me. So I probably can't even explain how I do it. It just feels like the alchemy of creating something like visually. And, and that's probably the part I kind of like most about launching the brand, N not, not just visually, but like the whole vibe around the brand, like creating that atmosphere almost for what the brand is about and like the whole fucking 80s film and shit I love that shit um, so yeah that's really bad answer to that question but I'm going to try not to ramble because I'm not being clear enough on it um, alright this cool one what topical one talking point thinking of lately because I've mentioned this in other episodes is it worth the stress and mental stress of building a brand or business versus getting a high paying 9 to 5 6 figures plus in brackets nine to five you turn up do your tasks and leave no stock employees risks blah 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 um yeah he's saying is it worth it i mean i feel like i've confused some people with some of the stuff i've sp spoken about about stress I, I would rather jump off a cliff than ever and i, I don't mean this because I, i'm not saying i disrespect anyone that has a fucking job it's just not for me like i've never done it i've always, always absolutely wanted to like live and die by the sword almost if that's even the correct saying like and what I mean by that is that I've never since I was 10 years old I knew I wanted to do my own thing and I've always done my own thing and I've continued doing my own thing even when it's gone well and badly and in between so for me you, you couldn't pay me a 10 million pound a year to sit in a cubicle I mean maybe you fucking could for a year to be fair but in principle it's not about the money in, in that respect it, it's honestly more about the alchemy of entrepreneurship the which a lot of people might say is bullshit, but it's about knowing that you're creating something, knowing that it's yours. And yeah, there's a lot lot more stress. And certainly on paper, there's a lot of things I'm envious of people that have more normal jobs of, I'm envious of elements of their lives and how it maybe is a lot less stressful. And you know, you can turn off when you go home, but it's just not for me. And I think if you're a real entrepreneur, not that that's any better or worse than someone that isn't, but it, you have to know yourself. And if you are genuinely an entrepreneur, I think you'll completely relate to what I'm saying. And I just couldn't do anything else. So yeah, for me, it's, it's not even a question. Um, fucking hell, there's quite a lot of new questions coming in. 
this is quite a good one. I feel like I will, how long have I been going? Oh shit, 23 minutes. Right, I'll do this as the last question for now because it's quite an in-depth one. From Lewis Thompson, would you be able to give some info about the investments you've had into the brand? I'm in the process of starting a brand and thinking about taking on investment to help with initial growth. Advantages, disadvantages would be nice to hear and how they're involved, etc. Right, fucking hell. I could go on about this process for a long time. I will try and make it concise and factual. So I think to start with, for context, I had never had investment ever prior to Space Goods and I'd bootstrapped everything from literally like 50 quid to, you know, including the dropshipping days, I'd done well over 20 million quid in revenue, like more actually, probably like 25 over like four years. Um, yeah. And then, and I, I always owned the whole thing and, and never felt like I had that much of a formal business structure, which certainly in 2020 at the scale, everything was at. I, in hindsight, think that's what would have maybe prevented things going as wrong as they did, was if I'd had backing from more experienced people. So then going into space goods, first point on that is, it wasn't about the money entirely. And what I mean by that is I could have funded it myself. It wasn't like, oh, I need to get money off other people to, to start the business because that wasn't the case. But it was a conscious decision of, all right, firstly, I've got a great network. I've, I've built this network up over the years. Um, secondly, I've got experience from other brands and I've realized that what was missing was sh sharing the responsibility and having experienced people on side. And also it ultimately, it, it made sense for me because it felt like a win-win. So I'm trying not to ramble because there's so many thoughts going through my head right now on this um, and how to answer that question. So for me, so again, to give some context, and my situation in terms of raising money is very different to probably most people, particularly if you're starting out in something new. I think it'd be very, very, very fucking hard to go out and raise money to any level, particularly to the level I did, which is quite a lot, I guess. Um, especially for like pre-revenue econ brand. Like, I had a great network, which is some I've built up consciously. It's not like I was fucking born with it, which you know it wasn't family or anything that invested in my business. Like my, my family don't have any fucking money to invest in the business, um, certainly my parents. So I'd built up a great network, that's the first point. So I had access to a lot of people that could invest or could intro me to people and so on. Secondly, I'd, I'd proven myself over the years prior. So like people knew that I wasn't retarded and, and I was capable and I'd done stuff. And then thirdly, I think the market and my idea, I guess my pitch was good because it was what I believe, you know, like right product, right time sort of thing. And again, that was based on the fact that I had the experience of other stuff to, to have a good gauge on what I think would work next. So yeah, I, I think most people would find it a lot harder to go out and, and raise money if they were doing that. But of course, everyone's situation is different. So that having said that, the actual process of raising money, there's, and I'm not a fucking expert on this. So, you know, I've become a lot more clued up, of course, but I'm not, not claiming to be an expert. So this is just my experience. 
there's two types of in investments basically. I mean, there's two types of people, people or funds that can invest. So you've got angel investors, which is basically just high net worth individuals, not even necessarily super high net worth, but you know, just individuals that invest their own money. And then you've got funds, so like private equity funds, venture capital funds, essentially the same thing, um, which is, you know, a big fund of other people's money. It's, it's deployed into into businesses generally at a larger scale. Um, and there's usually a lot more red tape and strings attached and it's a lot longer process. So I didn't want to go down that route yet. I didn't think I needed to. Um, I've now got, I think, 11 angel investors in the business, raised just shy of half a million quid. And yeah, I think it was pretty simple, really. I did that over, over two rounds, one in January right at the start before I launched, then another smaller one, but higher valuation to get a few other people that I wanted to get involved in the business three months after launching. So yeah, that was all done over the past few months. And I mean, for me, I really, I guess the only, the advantages for me, and again, I consciously thought about this, was firstly, the accountability. I wanted the accountability of other people having a slice of the business and me not being able to potentially get another idea like I'd done in the past and just be like, chop and change, start something new. Not that I think I would have done that as much with this, but I wanted the accountability. That's the first thing. Secondly, like at the end of the day, it feels like a win, win, win for me because, you know, I have people that, and I'm very fortunate to have some super successful, super experienced angel investors alongside a few other ones that are slightly less experienced that are literally my mates, um, many of which I've named before. And they all ultimately add something and bring something to the table. So that's great. And I guess beyond that as well, like kind of in the roadmap to the sort of business I want to build, getting some initial fundraising under the belt, particularly at the start with angels, will definitely make raising much larger amounts of money, say like millions from a fund in a year, 18 months, two years time, easier because you know, I've got a track record of certain people that have invested. You know, it's, it's all already happened. I've been through that process. So I've already got a cap table that looks a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was something else I, I wanted to bear in mind because I, I want to go down the route of, you know, potentially doing a deal in a, in a few years time with, you know, major venture capitalists raising like 20 million quid and fucking taking this to like, you know, the next level, if that's what I choose to do and, and if that makes sense. So that was another thing. Um, in terms of how they're involved, like most of them aren't that involved at all. Like I have a group chat where I send a monthly up update and I don't have to do that. I just choose to do that. And I think that's the right thing to do to keep myself accountable, keep everyone transparently in the loop, which I would want if I was investing. Um, and yeah, some of them I have, I have a weekly call with one of them who's kind of like, I guess my mentor in a way. And then I have a monthly call with a few others and we just go through what's going on and it keeps the pressure on me. They can input, they can have value and yeah, it's good. And ultimately, yeah, like I don't really see any downsides other than I guess technically I don't own 100% of the business, but I still own over three quarters of the business. So yeah, that was probably a long answer to that question. And I really feel like I could go on forever about the whole investment thing and so on. But yeah, hopefully that answers the question. This was a long episode actually, like nearly fucking over half an hour. I had way more questions that I'm not going to answer because this would just become like a full podcast episode. But um, yeah, hopefully that was interesting. 
just on the pod in general then if you've watched this fucking far I have not felt like myself to be honest in like the past month I don't know what's happened I, I when I say not like myself I just feel like I've not to be dramatic but I feel like I've lost my confidence in terms of like doing podcasts and shit I don't know like I like the trenches are making me evil or some shit I don't know I, I said to one of my mates I feel like I've just like lost my personality a bit which maybe doesn't seem the case on this video or whatever but like I don't know it, like partly that I think maybe in my head I've just like stressed myself out thinking oh if I'm doing the pod I'm not working on the business and I do feel quite stressed right now about the business because there has been a lot of challenges as there always will be um, many of which I probably haven't mentioned on the YouTube as well and yeah, I've kind of got this dilemma. Because I now started like season two of like, oh, I enjoy doing it. I, I want to do it as well as the business. I can do both things, of course. But then I keep defaulting back to, fuck, like it's a lot of work. Um, and then stuff like this gets more views and engagement than a two hour pod that took four hours to fucking film and edit and so on. Do you know what I mean? And like, obviously I'm paying people to edit it and so on. And then these get more views so yeah there's a few things that are just throwing me off with that and I, I would part of me really wants to do it and make it fucking massive and the other part of me wants to like delete the channel and never show my face on the internet again that's just the truth and it depends probably what time of day you ask me and what's going on in the business because probably like a lot of entrepreneurs and founders I feel like my personality and self-esteem is quite literally defined by how well the day has gone like not even just the week or month, how well the fucking day has gone. And that's just how it is. And again, in the interest of being transparent, yeah, I guess some shit's been stressing me out and it like throws me off the desire to get deep into a pod and spend two hours speaking to someone about their story when I feel like I've got my own problems to fix. So that's honestly just what's been going on. But I'm definitely gonna do a few more. Like I know there's some highly requested episodes with certain people and they're definitely coming soon. But... Yeah, I think I need to get my creative mojo back because I honestly feel like I've lost it a little bit, which is probably very normal and no one speaks about that shit that much. But I'm speaking about it because it's how I feel. But yeah, hopefully that episode was interesting. Um, didn't really speak about the brand that much. Still a lot going on, of course. Um, yeah, interesting doing a Q&A. Maybe we'll do another one next week. Or let me know what you want to see and see you in the next episode. Cheers for watching. Peace.